Welcome to Black Mountain College Radio, a podcast from Black Mountain College Museum and Arts Center. I'm your host, Carmelo Pampolonio. Each program in our series focuses on various topics related to Black Mountain College. Our hope is to deepen your relationship with the college's vital legacy, its continuing impact, and the work of our Asheville-based museum. You can find more information at blackmountaincollege.org. This episode, we're joined by Iranian-born and Dubai-based artists Raman Harizadeh, Rokni Harizadeh, and Hissam Rahmanian. They are the recipients of the annual BMC Prize and will be further developing their interdisciplinary practice at the historic BMC campus at Lake Eden, as well as the Museum and Arts Center in downtown Asheville. Raman, Rokni, and Hassam's practice uses collaboration and improvisation to decenter their creative processes in ways that generate dynamic assemblages, which unfurl into what they refer to as landscapes. They recontextualize and recombine cultural objects, aesthetics, histories, and even their own bodies, developing relations and gestures which provoke new possibilities of meaning. And with that, I'll jump straight into our conversation. So, in order to give us some insight into your proposal for the BMC Prize, could you start by speaking about some of the connections you've personally made to Black Mountain College's artistic legacy? So, I would start by going back to, we met in early 90s in Iran, and we actually, we met in drawing and painting classes. And those were the places that a lot of younger generations like us would go into. And I'm saying underground classes because after the Iranian revolution in 1978-79, there was another revolution called the Cultural Revolution that happened from 1980 to 1982, where uh, many of the students and the teachers that were in universities or institutions, they were left out to make all the educational system align with the Islamic Republic's ideology. And so many of these people who were left out, they started having these classes in their own home because that was the only way for them to earn living. Also, the Islamic Republic started actually taking over the public spaces, again, to also managing and controlling the public spaces. So we met in those classes and during those classes, we would it was almost like the old times where the students and the teacher, they would kind of live and kind of together, they would spend a lot of time, they would discuss works. And uh, we did... Another aspect to know, was the war. Yeah, yeah the war. Yeah, yeah. We are we grown up during the Iran and Iraq war and being together in this situation to build up something, to survive uh, is uh, mm-hmm. one of the important facts, you know. Also, the country holding in you know, post-revolutionary effects, uh, which Hassan said about, uh, you know, for example, aligning the country, you know, with the Islamic ideology, which marginalized some thinkers, philosophers or artists. So it made them to make these uh, classes. Yeah, to make the classes. We don't have so much an academic background in a sense, but we do have our own self-thought, self-discipline and self-didactism because those times were the times that you would choose 
where you would go and you would study. And we would study with the professors who were teaching in universities. They were teaching in institutions, but then they were left out of those universities and classes. And, and then sometimes not necessarily. They are a famous writer or the, yeah, famous philosopher. Exactly. Or so, so. They're not necessarily in the academy. So you yeah. choose your own path. On mentor or, or, or yeah. yeah. You choose, you know, based on your desire or, you know, your fields that you're interested in, you investigate and find these guys and trying to attempt to those gatherings and classes and kind of live with them. These are the sparkle or, you know, sprouts of uh, our practice. Those gatherings and those classes, they were the ones that we actually we got introduced to so many artists, to many different kind of practices internationally. And also it was the Tehran Museum. Museum of Modern Art that they had also exhibited works by the artists from the Black Mountain College um, era associated, associated with them. With them. Yeah. And they were the very first moments of our lives that we got introduced to the Black Mountain College artists, who they were and how they were working. Maybe at the time it wasn't so immediate for us, but there was something in it that we actually, we started this kind of living together, we started that kind of practice at the time in Tehran. Like, for example, Rokhni and Ramin, they had this family home and they would invite other people to come if there were students that they were going to universities and they had no place to practice because Tehran was expensive to rent or to live. So they were always there and they they would have a corner to to do their what they want to do. Same with the musicians. There were reading nights, there were movie nights uh, that they would sit and watch movies together and then discuss and talk about the movies and read articles about the movies. So there were all these activities. They were happening all indoor, inside the homes, rather than happening out in public or any institutions like that. And for the Black Mountain College, also there was um, the philosophy of, collaboration and the freedom of experimentations it was really fascinating for us and also roots of our practice due to all these events that we previously we mentioned mentioned yeah and also another thing that it was fascinating for us was the non-hierarchical system in the black mountain college how the students and the teacher they had almost same equal roles it was a school that you would not go there to get degree. You would not go there to attend classes for grades or any of this. You would really go there to do what you love to do or what, you know, and everybody would participate equally in all the activities. So these were really the, the foundation of what we kind of thought that we could do these kind of activities too. You know, the relation with Black Mountain College is so organic in, in us. It was a organically, you know, grows in us. Yeah, that's really and so, so yeah, our the, the proposal also... of the freedom and collaboration mm. with, with our, uh, the time that we were living in, you know, the, the restriction, you know, the closed society, the post-revolution and war. So that's why we, we found the connection. We found ourselves in that Black Mountain College philosophy. Yeah, I think. Can, yeah. We and, found our freedom in that mm, way of thinking. So. Mm-hmm. And even our proposal mm-hmm. for the Black Mountain mm-hmm. College also came through exactly the same thing. The freedom of practicing something and the experimentations and also the 
collaboration with other people. When we submitted our proposal, we did go with the same project, pro- uh, with, the, with the same project, because really our past 13 years of being in the UAE, the essence of the praxis was very similar to what the Black Mountain College was carrying. Mm. Yeah. So these underground communities allowed you to break away from the hegemony of Iran's political climate at the time. And it sounds like it was not only a chance for alternative discourse and creative outputs, but also that it was just simply giving you a chance for both individual and collective survival as well. It went much deeper than just we're getting together to create art. There was a holistic ethos to it. And I can definitely see the semblances between such an underground community that is different from every other institution at the time and how that can directly correlate to what they were doing at Black Mountain College in the 30s. Mm-hmm. 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 Yeah. Uh, as you mentioned, you know, it's like a, it was a kind of alternative uh, practice to a kind of resistance and also, as you mentioned, it's a survival, you yeah. know, to, to survive in, in the whole thing. But uh, I have to mention that also, you know, in the uh, surface of the society, the, you know, the, which we also were in contact with it. You yeah, know, it we wasn't live so isolated. That, uh, yeah. yeah, we live with the, uh, in that society and with all the ideologies and I would say it wasn't a closed society. Yeah, it was aligned with the Islamic kind of mentality, which, of course, for the youth is very hard to, uh, you know, yeah, cool. uh, bearing some restrictions. But I would say we have a, a nice, um, you know, library in the public spheres and you know, like Islamic philosophy, Persian yeah. poetry, cinema, you know. Yeah. So, you know, after revolution, there's, you can see the uh, flourishing of a cinema as a language and mm. uh, like Abbas Kiarostami, Jafar Panahi, Mohsen Mahvalbov. We have all these uh, big uh, directors, you know, making movies in that society. So I would say there is a one, two type of intellectuals, ones who has this surgical gaze to looking at the society, mm. kind of wrestling with the society, like Abbas Kiarostami or musicians, you know, traditional musicians like uh, Mohamed Shajarian or Shahram Nazari, Hossein Alizadeh. And then uh, in the other hand, you have uh, we had these kind of underground uh, intellectuals and artists which wants to pass by a kind of mentality and, you know, trying to vast your embodiment, you know. So you have to go with them, live with them. So sometimes they are not in the mood, you know. Uh, we had this experience that once we went to our one of these uh, Mentor, artists, yeah. uh, mentors, and he wasn't in the mood and he threw all of us out of the house because it was very yeah. early. We, uh, we reached yeah, very, early. Early, very early in the morning. In the weekend, yeah. yeah, so you have this leave and learn. Yeah. Yeah, this is that type of society. Was there any particular reason as to why everyone was thrown out? What led up to that? Because because it's a, it wasn't a you know university or a class. It wasn't their small private, private space, you know, their bedroom, their living room, and a very small apartment. And then suddenly, like ten or fifteen students comes inside the living room. 
you know, yeah, early in the morning, yeah, you know, like a, so something yeah. got a hangover, <laughs> you know, from the room it like a, <laughs> so it was like, a, yeah. But all of this, you know, built you in a, another direction. It's not directly uh, teaches you something, but it's, uh, I would say, undirectly, you know. Yeah. You learn from looking at them. Yeah, not looking at them. Yeah. Giving you the pen and then draw this. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. All together, to you know, cleaning actually. the house or, you know. It sounds like uh, an incredible synergy to have both the more, like, institutionally, formally trained people synthesize and mix and mingle with like more independent underground alternative artists and thinkers and creatives. And it also sounds like an endurance test of let's put them all in a very small space and see how long Mm -hmm. things can last. Mm -hmm. (laughs) At this point, I think we could pivot to discussing your work in more detail. When you've spoken about your creative process, you frame your project as that of designing landscapes and ambiences and your installations embrace their own locations as just another dimension to your pieces. Can you speak more about how you perceive these landscapes and ambiences and what you might be looking for when creating them? So uh, one, one thing is, you know, a little bit crucial to mention in our art making production is a performance. And performance is a collective action leading to dance, art, and politics. So as mentioned, you know, in 2009, we started to concentrate as uh, this togetherness as an art project. So by concentrating on any object around us in relation to, to, the, to our body uh, or we as a human being, how we thought and how realized the ideas, you know. So uh, from the early morning, we started with the very simple gestures. We just uh, have this uh, rule or constraint in our uh, home, which simple gesture like putting a glass of water on the table or, you know, a fruit, fruit bowl in the, on the table or that table, all of these Objects are equally important to kind of realize an idea. Like, let's say, you know, you come in the morning, you want to sit behind your desk or behind your table. You are conscious about every single act you do in terms of moving a cup, moving your pen next to your paper, your keyboard, how they are placed on the table. So we started by actually paying attention to every details on our daily activities, on how objects in relation to other objects, in relation to us, how they are sitting next to each other. And how you come up with the idea and how you turn your idea to the kind of act in the simple gesture. Till you know that uh, bigger things like uh, uh, we talk, uh, we have some strategy to art making, uh, we talk about the bigger human yeah. condition or complex. The earth, the uh, issue yeah. with the earth, what is happening in the world, like in terms of, you know, the migration, wars and uh, the, the disasters of earth and uh, the human how, crisis. Yeah. And how we can casting the, our world and how we can invite other people from other fields to get the bigger pictures. 
you know i don't think that we are creating ambiance we are not creating ambiance but the landscape we uh, create a landscape because and then we give this landscape that we created passing uh, the others uh, other collaborators to make another new world maybe mm. Mm. Yeah, so yeah for us was important you know to find the new relationship to get the new combination of the you know the things even the ordinary things uh, in a new combination next together to provoke an idea or realize our idea and then you know these small ideas and action next to each other making a chain of a world you know a landscape like in landscape you have everything uh, related to each other kind of nested you have these kind of nested systems next to each other you know they never end it's a constantly growth uh, grows and multiplied you know so sometimes in a landscape you have things are you know sprouting things are failing things are growing things are still in process things die and You know, you, you always have these moments when you walk into a landscape. And also in a landscape, you never have a beginning or an end. It's always in continuation and it's in growth, as Rokhni mentioned. You know, yeah, like uh, we migrated to UAE and then we started to thinking about uh, some issues of identity, home and, uh, you know, memory. Uh, migration, yeah. memory, collective memory. And these are not the things that you can... answer them you know like a one day or reading a book and say answer it you know in, a, in an exhibition yeah, you have to live it so you have to live with it you know so we trying to find all these things to ourselves and it's like a planting the seed and then see the relations from you know the ground you can imagine how you know a tree grow you know it's like a The soil is important, all these uh, inanimate uh, things inside the soil. and The animate things inside yeah, the soil, everything. Everything is kind of connected, but not all the time for utility. You know, sometimes this aspect of the failure in the nature is a kind of anxious. There is an aspect of anxiety in it and in a good term, you know. which is very, uh, you know, fascinated for us for work on it. So sometimes when the project failed or stopped, it not bother us because uh, we are not signed up for, you know, to goal something. Yeah, yeah. Um, we are not playing a chess. The production is performance. So everything is always in continuation, you know, and, and that performance, that production always leads into something else, leads into art, politics, Sometimes uh, when uh, the arts uh, people come to our exhibition spaces, some of them, they don't understand the amalgamation of all these uh, different things together because for them it's too much. But <laughs> in the nature, you don't have this kind of... Fullness, yeah. connected and these connections they are not obvious i would say we don't follow uh, the rules of representation of 
the things that uh, is kind of common in the art language. You know, we are kind of trying to reach to something that is kind of unknown for different fields. Like some of the uh, project, we work on it for six years, 10 years, you know, they are there, they are Things never finish. I mean, even though they may stop at some point, but we always go back to it and we bring it back again to rethink about it after like a year, two, three. But but there is one thing here that there is a constraint in this practice that we do. The, The space that we kind of, we are working and living, what comes inside and what goes out and it puts into public and it's being shown it's already from the beginning, it's already filtered through certain knowledge or through certain readings, through our research, through watching movies, through... It's like, like a, you know, in the knowledge. desert, you don't have a, a pine trees. Yeah. You know, <laughs> well, it's, like a, it's like that. The ground is very important. The ground then, is, yeah, yeah. And then we kind of build up gradually on top of With it. Discipline, yeah. And then when we have an exhibition, we put this... This landscape that's being created over times and we lived with it and they lived next to each other and they, uh, you know, they've been altered around due to many different reasons. And then they they are put out for for exhibitions and they become landscape. There is so many different ways that we have met people and they became part of our process, like the creative process. Usually our participants are the uh, curious audience. They are, yeah. You know, we have an audience, like a, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. That that's why you yeah. know we we trying to avoid to use the term like an installation, because uh, this landscape come out with the audience, they mm. become participator, and you know it, it's a whole landscape. Uh, no, but these people are almost like seeds that they come with the wind and they sit in this ground and then if the if the environment's and some, uh, and, suitable, and they, they, they grow. They the main if not, role, you know, sometimes yeah, they, and they, sometimes they, yeah, they you know matter, they open yeah. the new door for, for the whole project. Street, you know, yeah. it's like if we think about something in our field, you know, which is art, you know, and then give it to the someone else, you know, to another field, you know, and they can carry on, you know. So it's like a bottom up design. You know, we come up from the... From the ground. Yeah, come up from the ground. Not there's a clear picture that we want to use people to to attend, to reach that, to that goal. So it's like a very uh, soft, gradually built up process. So that's why we never put the name on our collective because we thought that every individual are important and uh, each project we mention everybody. Their name comes next to the whole project, Yeah. yeah. That would be an art piece in itself to have the project name, just have every single collaborator's yes. <laughs> credit yeah, yeah. due. But I, I think this really leads nicely into the next uh, conversational topic I wanted to get into. And I think it's safe to say that your practice certainly emphasizes process over product. And that uh, definitely dovetails with the general ethos of Black Mountain College. But in other words, your practice allows for ideas, objects, collaborations to bloom, evolve, and feed back into each other almost iteratively. How do you see this as having affected the broader trajectory of your work? The thinking emerging in and from the process. 
from the practice itself and then feedback on it again. You know, so we have this kind of uh, continually while we are practicing something, thinking emerge from the process and then uh, the practice itself, you know, feedback on it, you know. So it's like a, the whole thing's kind of role, you know. Yeah, but uh, I think you should actually I like just as an example or a theory. Yeah, we can say actually a theory for the Black Mountain College. Are you going to violate a non-disclosure agreement? No, no, no. Yeah, actually one good example of how people, when they come through a creative process, they come and participate Part of the proposal that we did for Black Mountain College was uh, these molecular structures that we make by having uh, different participants. And one is uh, Rais Mullah. He's from Bangladesh. And we don't share a common language. We don't speak his language. And, and the only way for our communication is through body gestures and hand movements. And in a way, we kind of dance the movements. Um, so these molecular structures are about um, the, the casting of our times. You will see a, a transient moment of day, daily activities on these clay plates. Also, there are the, 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 condition. the, the condition of the, the messy condition of the world at the bottom of it. And um, this anxiety of uh, these two moments of our, of our time, we kind of dance for Rais Mullah. And uh, with these movements and, ha- you know, body gestures and hand movements, he start making these molecular structures. With, so he works with the steel, iron, uh, metal works. And that structure is made. Then the next step is is working with a, a dancer, Kiori Kawai. Uh, a we invite her to visit the... She, she, she encountered with the molecular structures. And she starts to interpret what, what she's feeling because it already has the uh, theme on the each plates and also the everything. So he, she... Act as a replicator. Yeah. Yeah. She, 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 she starts to replicate it through, you know, uh, by writing a score. So for us was... Uh, you know, it was important to how this anxiety or sense of suspension in our time, uh, how we, uh, you know, kind of transfer it to the inorganic material like a iron, you know, iron, suspension uh, clay plate on an iron by Ray Smolla, the, the blacksmith, and then uh, uh, how we can roll this ball of replication. Uh, you know, through different bodies, you know, so it goes to the different dancers. Yeah, and so so Kiori came after she studied the the structure. Then she wrote a score and two of she, them, actually, yeah. yeah, for two of them, mm-hmm. she did she did the dancing, and then she gave us the record, uh, the doc- documentation of her dance, and then we went and we showed it to Rais Mullah. So we showed it to him, and we also had to. Partly, we kind of danced, imitating Kiori for him while he was making. So the next structure that was built, it was built according to Kiori's uh, replication, the replicated uh, dance that was coming from, yeah. Hmm. 
Mm. You know, now we are working on this project for a, a quite a long time uh, for, you know, how we can, uh, you know, find the kind of DNA of our living today, you know, what uh, the feeling of living today. So uh, this, uh, our time, it, it had this kind of aspect of, you know, the constant anxiety and self, uh, you know, suspension. So we kind of trying to cast our time in, you know, as a, you have these two level of your daily activity, dailiness, and the other uh, in in parallel to the the world, the condition of the world, and then again you have undigested uh, feeling like a which is anxiety and suspension, which we kind of trying to dance it for a welder from which he, we can't communicate through language with each other. He is from Bengal and we are from Iran, and uh, there is no. Um, common language, uh, common language shared, language, shared yeah. language between us. And he's the uh, uh, welder who very locally built up the uh, building, the industrial, you know, parkings, this kind of, uh, you know, not the art, fences, fences, fences and, and it was a moment of connection that usually when we have this strange movement uh, for the previous welders, they think that we are uh, crazy or, you know, and they, they, they yeah, or doing, doing a witchcraft <laughs> yeah. or uh, they don't take wow. it and they ran away from the job. But Rice Molla was kind of curious and wants to participate. And through all these uh, years, we see that he developing his skills and uh, he delicately, you know... Uh, it's completely uh, opposite of his practice. Yeah, yeah. completely yeah. opposite of his yeah. practice. And we kind of only we danced for him, uh, you know, like a very simple, ordinary gesture. Like, a, you know, when I use dances, come from the, you know, Judson dance, uh, you know, company, you know, like a... Uh, Deb- Deborah Hay, or, you know, because we had the privilege to meet her and you know dance, meet, with, her for dance with her days. for two days, you know, and have have the experience with her. Uh, so she completely transfer our vision uh, about vision about the dance. dance because the Judson Dance Group they were the group uh, company they were the uh, group of dancers that they were you know trying to bring dance to the public to the people and. That means they kind of, they eliminated music. They eliminated like stage. They eliminated, you know, the, the uh, you know, costumes and all that. And so that became our ground for the. Yeah, for using for, the word dance, you know, and how we met, uh, you know, through another body, you know, like a rice molar, the welder, you know, trying to comprehend those movements and kind of materialize this movement through uh, metal. Hmm. We call them uh, molecular structures, this structure that we built. Then we come up with this question, what if we give all this uh, structure, you know, molecular structure to the choreographer and trying to ask a choreographer who wants to participate uh, in the process, writing a score. Uh, for these objects. For these objects. And, again, and how we can replicate this. And this is a project that we are working on it. 
forward. And also, we, you know, we introduced our project to the, uh, the nanotechnologies. Mm-hmm. We kind of get this uh, proposal, this story to uh, propose it to the other fields. You know, now we are talking with the... We are trying just to kind of uh, widen this kind of embodiment of this this practice. We are trying to involve other people from different fields of practices, such as uh, Rukni mentioned, uh, nanotechnologies. Hmm. To replication, replication of in the, the whole idea of the replication, replication and be faithful to the in the nature and in the cells. Uh, we want to find out more uh, about or gain more knowledge about how things, you know, multiplied Replic- or replicate in the nature. Like DNA, are DNA. they faithful or unfaithful? When they are unfaithful, where, where is the aspect of chaos in it? Chaos and happening. Because all of these are important in the chimshed. Um, uh, affective, you know, issues in the, in the nature when something replicated. So we are kind of uh, explaining our project, uh, like uh, explaining the whole story, and then they react to that. And, and they get, find a lot of similarities. Yeah, so in the, we are yeah. growing, you know, in the multi, trying to see the picture in the multi-direction, you know, to, to find out how, about that. Uh, uh, yeah, how to, how to, to have to a bigger picture, picture on this, yeah. you know, yeah. building up the landscape on that, you know. So these interdisciplinary collaborations just add another layer of relations for your practice feeding back into itself and other feeding back into other practices now and having those in turn yeah develop into yours. Yeah, because it, I think it's yeah. important in our uh, our time we don't have that much connection from different field together. So it's important for the you know art to rethink itself and trying to invite other fields and. Uh, to yeah to reach to the uh, kind of weird object you know to if if he wants to make or even to solve uh, or to think you know yeah think together i think that's uh that's amazing because like you guys were talking about how everything is already imbued with value and cultural associations you won't find a pine tree in the desert you didn't have a shared language with this artist. When you remove language from the equation, the systems of interpretation become so much more open. And I, I think that was just a, it's a fantastic way to realize your concept and idea of open-endedness and reinterpretation and reclamation in your artistic practice. <laughs> yeah. So on that note, you're each highly collaborative artists who value open-ended modes of creation in ways that uh, decenter both the acts of production and acts of interpretation. But you each still have your own singular artistic practices and styles. Can you talk about the dynamics between you three specifically? What is it like to work with the other two collaborators? One of them is that instead of two eyes, you have six yeah, instead yeah. Of three, three yeah. brains, you know, but, or whatever you do after, before, you know, showing or go out of the, out of the studio, it's uh, criticized three times. 
Also, you know, the the way that we start this project because of the uh, to reach this landscape. Uh, so we feel ourselves as a kind of, you know, looking at ourselves as a wild animal next to each other. So there's an aspect, each individual, uh, uh, you know, we give that uh, percentage of unpredictability mm-hmm. among us, which, you know, it's a kind of freedom that we give it to each other. And also as a living being, because, you know, we, the way that we start our day is to appreciate any object, all the noises, music, you know, we have a kind of certain constrained composition in the, uh, in during all these years, which is like a program, which is start early in the morning till 10 and, in this moment, I don't looking at, you know, for example, Ramin and Hesam as an individual, which, you know, I'm looking at them like a, a wild animal. They can't do anything, you know. So for encountering any human or uh, non-human other, we have to have this, you know, percentage of respecting unpredictability. We disagree with each other all the time, yeah. and and a lot of times and when we agree, bothering, you know? and when we agree with each other, actually we think something is wrong. So we kind of sometimes <laughs> we actually we go back and yeah. we rethink yeah. about what if other possibilities. You know, what if we think of it this way? You know, to bring back other perspectives into the to the matter that we are talking about, and and we are very uh, frank with each other all the time. So there is a very straightforward criticism about anything really and and kind of actually the tougher we are on a lot of a lot of the matters it the the smoother the path become you know over the time and and it doesn't matter who sells what you know Mm -hmm. when it comes to financing something or even the living everything is shared even if i'm not selling for one year ramin and rokni selling i'm 100% 100% secure that I am living, the rent is paid, the, the electricity bills are paid. I mean, the production is on, on the go and we are making it. And it's similar with, with all of us. Mm. It's a similar, similar way. And as Rokni said, that us coming together, it was kind of mostly based on aiding each other rather than based on need. Mm-hmm. We were not mm-hmm. really in need to come together. It was mostly based on helping each other, even though maybe he doesn't need my help, but I'm there to I help, know. you know? Yeah, I, I like that. I also like the uh, conversation around <laughs> wild animals and unpredictability. And on that note, a recurring theme throughout your practice is that of the Dastga. You use the term to refer to your painting machines or assemblages of your bodies and other objects that perform repetitive, almost machinic motions. You've said that the idea is to move away from intentional subjectivity and to find a new one. And from what I understand, Dastga is also a technical term for a traditional Persian system of music based around refrains and continuous developments and improvisation. And I love this transposition of a musical metaphor into painting and other acts of creation. And I was wondering if you could talk more about this and your use of improvisation and repetition from the perspective of a dastga. You know, when we start 
by making a DASCA or becoming a DASCA, we start by our research, our local knowledge, our what we gather around over the time that we are in research for a, for a project. And those objects that over time has been gathered and they thought about or they were painted on or they appeared in certain drawings or paintings, we start by mixing these different elements, these different objects. Mm-hmm. And based on that, the daska, which literally also means a machine in Persian, that machine or that daska is made. And that daska, we kind of, we attach it to ourselves and we start, as you mentioned, we start kind of performing and kind of improvising with it in order to paint. Because the daska, even though it does give us a lot of limitations with our body movements and our um, sides sides or or movements. But then at the same time, it actually uh, raises other sensibilities in our bodies and actually gives us even a wider kind of arms, let's say metaphorically, and literally uh, give us uh, wider arms in order to reach uh, the unreachable surfaces and, you know, the, the... Allows to give us a, a new subjectivity because mm-hmm. we are we are becoming yeah. an object. Object mm-hmm. yeah. is becoming an object. Machine, or or a yeah. machine yeah. help us to gain a new subjectivity. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. One of us, for example, come from the poetry or uh, cinema. Another one, you know, come from the history and scholar yeah and then another one bring to the table something from the art history and then all of these you know uh, all these researches help us to gain a kind of subjectivity around the matter and you know it's a a daska is a moment that we leave all all these things you know or, or attached mixed with all these things and turn off the subjectivity or our subjective self and kind of become a rickety body organ, you know, as a uh, which mixed with the inanimate objects and trying to move around and make a trace and then come back again and trying to comprehend and rethink all this, you know, to start to knowing again. You know, because these das- uh, painting machines are, again, they have this aspect of unpredictability. When they are working, you know, uh, we we don't have a sight. There is an excess of the gushing of the uh, paint, smudging, uh, you know, yeah. uh, the paint smudge on the floor and this kind of non-painting attitude. They are painting machine, but they, their behavior sometimes is a non-painting attitude. And for us, is in that moment that we, co- uh, we come to ourselves, we reach to the field of unknown field, which we have to redefine it again uh, and know it again. So by this, uh, you know, oscillation between... Uh, you know, objective, subjective, object, subject, you know, uh, these kind of things, we are kind of reaching to the another angle of ourselves. you know. Debugging. It's like a, you, are, you are time traveling or you are, you are looking at yourself from a, another angle. Yeah. Wonderful. Well, thank you for that. Yeah. I want to thank you three for taking the time to join our program and giving us such detailed insight into both your ideas and practices. 
And I'm looking forward to seeing you three in person when you come down for your landscape. <laughs> Thank you so much. Yeah, it's like yeah, likewise. We're very much looking forward to meet you two in person. Thank you for listening to this episode of BMC Radio. And as always, you can find more information about current and upcoming events, as well as stay updated on Raman Rokhni and Hassam's work with the Museum and Arts Center at blackmountaincollege.org.